Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys. Wherever you are in the world, you are tuning into The O Show, and I am your host, Oren Makari. The O Show is a no-nonsense podcast where I aim to bring you the best advice on training, mindset, and nutrition to supercharge your efforts in the gym, the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. Let's get to it. Welcome to today's episode of The O Show, where we're going to be talking to my client, Emily Jackson, about her progress with Team OMC, how she's went from just being a normal gym girl to considering competing to then committing and pulling the trigger on that and following through with a show and a beat shoot and everything in between. So welcome to the show today, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. It, it's a case of, um, I, want, I wanted to do one of these episodes because... It shows people, one, how I work as a coach, and also it can inspire people with your journey, okay? Like, you've went from being a normal gym girl who, when you came to me, you were just interested in changing your body, losing a little bit of fat. Then at one stage, you were like, I'm really going to consider doing a show. When am I ready for a show? And at one stage, we just went, right, bang, you're ready, let's go. Um, so I want to talk about that sort of progression and just to be like an, an inspiration to people who or maybe in the same position where they, they like the idea of doing a show, but they don't know what's involved. They haven't really thought it through. Um, and they're sort of coming into maybe their first, either photo shoot or show. And just to give a bit of a, a perspective. So this isn't meant to be a big um, blow, blow my head up sort of thing and like talk about how great I am. It's more about you and your journey and just inspire people with this. So I'm excited to have this on. But first, before we start in with who you are and a bit about you, we've got some funny questions to start us off. So rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to your head. What's your favorite color? Green. Green. Nice. Uh, What age are you? 27. 27. Uh, What was your first pet? Uh, It was a guinea pig called Toffee. Toffee. Nice. So then, when, you know when you do that game, like, what would your stripper name be? It's the name of your first pet and the street that you first lived on. Yeah. Mine was Coffee Hopkins, which Coffee I think works Hopkins. pretty well. So. Yeah, that, that's a good stripper name. Nice, nice. That's, that's, <laughs> a good, that's a fun one to get into this. I should ask people their stripper name in the future, actually. You should, and what's your stripper name? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And funny, the guy I interviewed yesterday, Vaughn, his, uh, his first pet was also a guinea pig. So I wonder if this is going to be a recurring theme on this show where everyone just has a guinea pig. Clearly, our parents didn't think we were responsible enough for a proper pet like a dog. Yeah, it's like that sort of intro one, right? Try with a guinea pig first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, (laughs) speaking of dogs, here's another one for you. Cats or dogs, which is better? Dogs. Dogs? Why? Sorry to all the cats. Oh, they just just want you to be around. Like, I haven't known many cats, but they could take you or leave you. And that's That's upsetting. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Dogs. Okay, cool. Cool. Interesting. I think this is going to be a bit of a back and forth. It's going to be one, one guest is going to say cats, the next is going to say dogs. We're trying to find out which is better, but they're all good to the right people, I guess. Now, <laughs> here's an interesting one. Um, what do you feel is your best body part? It doesn't have to be physical. It could be like your eyes or your wrists or <laughs> your ears. I don't know. But <laughs> anything, anything. What do you think? Great toes. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> probably eyes although I've got my glasses on and now everybody's going to be judging possibly (laughs) eyes but if I had to go for like a really physical kind of muscle related body part probably abs yep 
Um, I think as well because they're the easiest for me to train and to look good. So in my head, that's like my best, my best feature because they can kind of like come out on show the easiest. Yeah, I've got to say, like your abs are very strong. Like you've got abs pretty much in the minute you start diving for a compliment. <laughs> it's um, it's pretty insane, and like they're nice, thick, well structured abs as well. And obviously, that's genetics. That's you can't really, you can't really train that. So it's um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, what's your favorite gym lift? Final question. Ooh, um, I love bench pressing actually. Oh. I haven't done it for a long time. I know. And now you're going to have to write it back into my program because I've yeah, said it. I love a good bench press. But in terms of what I do currently, I love the seated hand curl. Yep. Um, yeah. So a bit of both, but yeah, yeah. do love and me. Bench the press. hand curl at Doherty's is one of the best ever made. Um, I'm trying to think of the yeah. name of the uh, Cybex. I don't know if it's Cybex or something similar, but it's it's legit one of the smoothest um, hamstring curls you've ever made, and it just gets a killer contraction. So and it just like locks you right in, and yeah, yeah killer. Yeah, killer. I'm 100% behind you on that one. It is an awesome machine, so I can see where you're coming from on that. So now Thank let's you. get into Emily. Tell us a bit about you before before you met me, before everything else kicked off. Tell us about your background, what you do as a living. Let's get, a, okay. let's get a snapshot of Emily. I'll try and condense it. <clears throat> so um, I'm a speech pathologist in terms of what I do for a living. So I graduated um, in 2013. So I've been a speechy for, oh my God, ages, like six or seven years. Crazy. Um, I'm also at the moment doing my PhD in speech pathology and I've nearly finished touch wood. Um, I should be finished around September, fingers crossed, this year. Um, so at the moment, I'm obviously researching and studying and I do a little bit of lecturing um, at uni and I also work with children in a clinic. So that's lots of fun. Um, it's a little bit tricky at the moment, obviously, trying to do all of that online. Um, everybody's obviously been thrown into kind of a different model of working but it's been fun so I've been learning how to work with children online and using this kind of telehealth sort of model so yep. that's been a challenge um what else about me uh I obviously live in Perth or maybe it's not obvious because some of your yep. other clients aren't in Perth um but I'm originally from Hobart in Tasmania uh but I've been in WA for ages since I was about three or four years old um so I'm I still consider myself a Tasmanian, but I guess, you know, I've been in WA for ages and ages. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that enough? <laughs> That's enough, man. That's enough. That gives us a little bit of a background. And guys, if you've listened to previous lives and stuff I've done, um, I actually, when I'm thinking of, Emily's always on a live, whether I've done it with Marco, with uh, Chris on the previous podcast. And she's always one of the first names that I see coming into the group. So she's in my head that she's watching. So whenever I talk about people in different professions, I always end up saying speech pathologist like on autopilot. And people are like, speech pathologist? Whereas most people would think like, you know, builder, you know, doctor, all these other things. And people are like, speech pathologist? Like, what's he? I know, it's such a random shout out. But whenever you say it, I'm like, hey, yeah, that's me. I and it's literally just subliminally, I don't even really think about it, just one of those, because I see you're on the call and I know you're on. When I try to think of a, a job, I end up saying speech pathologist. <laughs> so um, if any of you hear that in future episodes, it's because Emily's now drilled into my head that that's, that's a job that I keep referring to. 
from all the lives that we've done. So um, yeah, that's interesting. So let's talk about your history in fitness, right? We talked about your background, you know, you're originally Tasmanian, you moved to Perth. What, what have you tried before or done with diet? Obviously, I know what you've done since you joined me, but what, mm. what have you done before joining Team OMC? Right. So I, I'm one of those people, you hear it all the time. I've always been into sports. Um, so I played a lot of sport as a kid, but I wasn't necessarily really good at kind of traditional sports. Like I was just fine, but I wasn't great. Um, but I've also been a competitive ballroom dancer for pretty much my whole life as well. Cause it, um, runs in the family. So my parents and my aunties and uncles ran dance studios. So I was always training as a dancer and then, you know, did a lot of um, national competitions and those sorts of things. Um, so I took that really seriously. So for me, that was fitness and health for like such a long time. And because I was dancing so much, I'd never been someone who was like, you know, let's go for a walk or go for a run or go to the gym. Like that was just my training. Yep. Um, but also I'm aware that, the culture of dancing is probably where I started some really bad diet habits. Um, looking back, because I sort of knew that we'd talk about this kind of thing, so I was having a good reflect on it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite an old school culture, and it certainly was when I was dancing. I'm, I'm not sure what it's like at the moment because I've been out of it for a few years, but I distinctly remember um, coaches, especially kind of like mid to late middle age coaches often saying things like, you know, you need to watch your weight, you know, you can't be heavy to be a dancer, like all those typical sorts of things. And that was from when I was like 11 years old. I remember this happening. So it was always in my head. So I think I've always been in the mentality of like, you must eat to be skinny or you must eat to have a low body fat. Like that was just always what was normal and I remember it at the time as well like I used to torture myself with food and eat like lots of you know like little tiny tiny meals throughout the day and I thought that was totally normal but looking back now I'm like my goodness that was probably disordered eating really um I obviously was you know never got to that really extreme point like I, I think I always maintained a certain level of health which was really good but looking back now, I'm like, that was not okay. Like, you can't go to school and live on Diet Coke all day. That's not normal. No, no. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely part of it. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of got to the point when I was about halfway through university doing my undergrad, I was just like, I can't maintain that. I need to kind of take my career seriously. Um, so I quit dancing. But then because I did that, I had no idea about, um, you know, neat activity or kind of how much I would have actually been burning when I was dancing versus how much I was eating. So my weight blew out, which makes sense now. At the time, it was just like completely had no control over it and didn't know what was happening, but I gained lots and lots of weight. Um, yeah, so then I kind of got to the point where I was sick of that and I, and I wanted to like actually learn how to go to the gym and learn about food. So I started doing that in 2015 which is when I sort of first stepped foot in the gym properly um, and did a weight loss challenge, I guess, because, you know, they're all the rage. Um, So I did one of them, did one of them in 2015 and had really good success. I lost like 
more than 10 kilos in 10 weeks and was just like, yes, this is, this is the shit. This is awesome. Um, (laughs) so I did really well at that. So I had, I've worked with some awesome trainers. Like I've really enjoyed it and that really got me into it. But I think, you know, since 2015, I've always been in this mentality of going to the gym to lose weight, Mm -hmm. um, and to like get control of your body fat and then that's it. So there was still this kind of like obsession around going to the gym to burn calories and eating in a deficit. And that's kind of all I, all I knew for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And did you find that having that, that mindset of, oh, the gym is for fat loss, fat loss, fat loss and calorie deficit. Were you then in like the yo-yo dieting culture where you would diet and get really, really good results, like damn 10 kilos and then back on? Totally. I'm like a professional yo-yo dieter or I was <laughs> yeah. not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I would go through um, this phase where I had great success and would lose lots of weight. But at the time, looking back, I was on like 1200 calories a day. So yeah. of course I was going to lose weight. Like, and then I would get to the end of a few months and be like, what, like, what's the point? You know, I've, I've got myself to this point. I'm done, like just so exhausted with dieting, but not knowing what comes next, which is really frustrating. So then totally, I would just get to the point where I kind of snapped with it and just like didn't go to the gym for a while or like went, but wasn't really being effective and then would just stop tracking my food and just completely stack weight back on again, which is so frustrating, but you know, it makes sense (laughs) at the time. It's part of sort of dieting culture. And I guess everyone knows that, Diets don't really work. They do work if they're controlled and you've got a plan after, obviously, but, or if you've got that accountability of a coach. But the traditional dieting model of restrict, 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 and then what ends up happening is the binge. It just doesn't work long term and it's not good for physical or mental health, really. But it's something that everyone really goes through. Yeah, absolutely. And a really good coach would have, or I shouldn't say that because all the coaches I've worked with have been amazing for me at the time. But I wasn't learning that it was a long-term process. Um, I was always so obsessed about kind of like in four weeks time, I should be at this week. And then in eight weeks time, I should be at this, at this weight. There was no kind of trajectory of like a plan in terms of we're going to do this phase for eight weeks. We we should be aiming to get around here. And then after that, we're going to go into a different phase where we build back up some calories. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we shift our goals for a certain amount of time. Like there was no long-term plan. And I had obviously had no idea about reverse dieting or recovery dieting or whatever it is that, you know, you want to do. I just had no idea. I just thought you get to your goal weight and then nothing like that's just it yeah 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 because i remember i put out a post um while you're in the midst of prep it was just randomly posted it was but it was obviously very relevant to you at the time and it was just about the difference between a reverse and recovery and how you can sort of manipulate your calories after a diet and you were like whoa i didn't know this thanks for sharing and like for me, you had a couple of different coaches over the years but obviously it's just that like giving you that sort of heads up in advance and sort of planning things out. And that's what we've been doing now. Like since, since these lockdowns have happened, like we're talking in the midst of COVID-19 on this podcast, if you're listening later, later down the line, um, we, we sort of just got on zoom here and there's an awesome whiteboard feature where you can turn it on 
and um, just mapping everything out with little text boxes and arrows. And we sort of said to you, right, this is where we're at now, Emily. This is where the goal is of where you want to get to next year. Here's two different scenarios of how things might look from here to here, and we have to pick one. But you need to go through one or the other, and we need to manipulate things. And that's the sort of planning that you said, you know then. Like at the minute, we've said we're going to try to recomp a little bit of body fat so when the gyms do open, we can hopefully push back with a little bit of a, a gaining phase and make improvements to the areas that we want to build for stage before we actually start the diet. Um, and like having that structure where you know you're doing that cut phase, now recomp phase, just drop a little bit of body fat while keeping your muscle, then it's going to be a gaining phase for, say, 8, 12, 16 weeks, whatever it is you, your coach lays out. And then you know, right, potentially depending on how the body fat is, you either start cutting here at this date or here at this date. And it's going to be either, you know, a 20, 16, 12-week cut, depending on how lean you get. And um, obviously yeah. giving you a little bit of um, a little bit of feedback in that in terms of what you think would work well for you based off your stress, your work demands. Like obviously you're doing a PhD at the minute while running clinics and working with kids as well. So you've got a lot on. So it's like, here's how this goal here's how we can do it, which one sounds more appealing to you right now, and then we can sort of manipulate all the variables in between. And that's the sort of structure you're talking about. You never really had that before in terms of, and that's not me blowing my trumpet about how I'm such a good coach, but it just, it's about that psych, psychology of approaching a goal like this. You need to have it broken down. So whether it's somebody listening who wants to, you know, just lose 10 pounds or do a photo shoot or, you know, do a comp, you need to have that sort of, timeline of this is how it's probably going to look and then you manipulate the variables on the, along the way yeah absolutely otherwise you're just living you know day to day week to week like keep pushing the diet keep pushing it and you really lose sight of where you're going with it and the fact that you're doing it for a broader goal mm -hmm. um, and that's I think when personally that's when I get to the point where I push myself for too long and I fall off the bandwagon yeah um, and just kind of pack it all in because I know that I'm quite an extreme person with food as well. So when I do get to that point, it's dangerous because I'm like, nah, that's it, I'm done. You know, and it's just like all the food comes in and the training, yeah, I actually can't live without training now, but in the in the old days, I would just have totally given up. So yeah, yeah it's, and that's what I learned working with you as well is actually, I think the first thing you got me to do was like, I want a document of all your goals and I want to know, what's happening in your life like send me career goals and where you want to be in five years time and yeah, yeah like yeah. what sorts of lifts you want to be doing in the gym and just like lay out absolutely everything and it was so it was so helpful for me yeah um and I think it was those kinds of conversations that helped me really shift from the point where I was going to the gym and eating to lose weight and then there was that shift for towards like I go to the gym to train and I eat to support my training. Yeah. Um, and I'd never got there before. Like I'd heard people talk about it, like you eat to fuel your body and all that stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I'd never actually lived like that before. So now all the decisions that I make around going to the gym and around prepping my food, like it actually has a purpose. It's not just to kind of like, oh, well, hopefully we'll lose some weight. It's yeah, got yeah. that really clear training, coaching goal now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And in terms of, like, that, that shows everything has changed massively in terms of the mindset, the clarity in terms of your goal. 
Is there anything else that differs to how things have been approached since we started working together that you hadn't done previously that maybe people may look out for, like um, things that you were doing that were either bad habits or things that have changed with coaching now that you know people can maybe look out for? What should they look for in a coach? Well, it doesn't have to be me just for what they look out for in a coach that you think is beneficial Definitely. to the goal. Definitely. Um, and I mean, we've talked about it a lot along the way, but even just coaching in general has obviously changed. Um, and I think it, it does, you know, constantly change what we understand is rapidly developing, but certainly when I first started and even for like the first few years of training and, you know, diet coaching and things, there were a lot of um, really rigid kind of rules and myths around food. So things like no carbs after 6 p.m. or like don't don't eat fruit in the afternoon because it's too high in sugar, like all those sorts of things. And now I look back and I'm like, obviously that's not true. You know, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But at the time, at the time, that's what was known. Um, but really underpinning all of that was this lack of knowledge on my part about what macronutrients are. Yeah. Um, and how to, you know, be in a maintenance phase or how to be in deficit calories or how to be in a surplus. Like I just had no idea about that stuff really. Yeah. And I think the big difference, I will pump up your tires, even though <laughs> you were like, don't worry about doing it. Um, I think one of the big differences when I started working with you is that you actually taught me along the way. So before I worked with amazing people, but they would give me my calories. Like they would say to me, these are your calories for this week. And these are the macros that you need to hit on these days. But I didn't understand why. Yeah. Um, and instead you've literally like coached me and upskilled me to the point where I understand why these decisions have been made. And I understand why we need to tweak calories in certain ways. And I think that control is so crucial because if you would just say to me at this point, if you're like, we need to drop calories for a bit, I'd be like, um, why, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me why. And it can be really upsetting to just have someone, you know, take away the control and just sort of lay out these rules. This is what you need to be doing. Yeah. But if someone's actually explaining it to you and talking you through the science, I guess, then that's, what makes it so much more manageable. Like you actually can yeah, yeah, see why it's working and stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. a very common um, thing in the fitness industry, I guess. It's like, here's your meal plan for the next week. And it's like, Oh, well, why can I have like raspberries instead of blueberries? And it's like, no, you have what's on the, on your plan. And it's like, really? Is that, is that sustainable? Yeah. Is that like a lot of coaches are, like inadvertently just creating disordered eating with their, their clients. And I think a testament to you and what you've learned along the way is that when we prepped for stage last year um, and the bikini shoot, obviously, I just told you your macros the whole way through because I knew I trusted you with the diet. And this won't happen with everyone, obviously. Some people yeah. need a meal plan. Um, but I basically told you, okay, Emily, we need to drop a little bit more fat here in this phase. We're going to drop your carbs from say 200 grams down to 170 and your fats down from 65 to 60. Um, yeah. All I want you to do is make sure you have this amount, say if it's 170 grams of carbs you had over the day, I might say, right, have 30 grams pre-workout, have 70 grams post and have the rest spread over your day. And it's like, yeah. I trusted you with that to pick foods that obviously were 
weren't going to cause you bloating or upset stomach or poor digestion or like brain fog or anything like that. And I just yeah. trusted you with the whole process. And every now and then I'd be like, just let me double check what you're eating this week. Like in terms of what's your choices, what's, what's the average. But for the most part, right up until I think stage day, I gave you specific meals to eat. But apart yeah. from that, I just trust you with the journey because you had learned so much along the way. And you yeah, were learning exactly. during prep. If I made a change, you'd be like, hey, just checking. Um, why are we doing this? Why, you know, why, why are we doing this type of cardio? Why are we doing this diet change? Why, why can't we have a keto diet? Why, why are we doing carb cycling now? You know, whatever it ended up being, um, you sort of just learned along the way. And you asked questions, which is a key, key part of the process. And if your coach can't explain to you why they're making the changes, they probably don't even yeah. fucking know themselves, right? They're just like exactly. taking a stab in the dark rather than sort of a structured, well, this is this phase, this is what we need to do in the next two weeks is pull off more body fat and in particular through this method, so. Yeah, and I think I think possibly there are a fair few clients and, you know, people out there as well who are in a similar position now to me, but, you know, we've been tracking calories for a while. Like, this has been around for a while. We've been on MyFitnessPal. So a lot of people are probably like, able to do something like flexible dieting you know because we've yeah. been tracking yeah. our chicken breast and our sweet potato for so many years so i think actually that worked really well for me because i knew how to track and i knew what certain foods were made up of so then for you to just kind of trust me with that freedom and go here are your macros i trust you to make good choices for you yeah. that was so important to me because i'm someone who has to eat a huge variety um, I'm a bit of a foodie or whatever you want to call it. Like I need different foods. Otherwise I just feel really stuck and I just hate the process. Um, so that flexibility is what works for me, yeah. but that has obviously, as you say, that's come off the back of lots of years of tracking and being, you know, aware of what certain foods are composed yeah, yeah. of. And those. Yeah. And you need to have that awareness, right? And like, even just that variety point, like having more variety in your diet just means that you're exposing your microbiome and your gut to more food so rather than just like i'm a creature of habit i normally just eat like minced chicken i've thrown in tuna recently because i just couldn't eat any more chicken but it's like we are we, we eat pretty much the same probably 10 to 15 foods all the time um but the more we can expose that you know if you you know a couple of days a week have some salmon instead of steak or you have you know some Lobster, tuna instead of yeah. chicken yeah it's like it's it's all these little things which then create a better environment in the body for that. And mentally, yeah. it's, it's a lot better as well because, you know, it's not like, oh, shit, I've got to eat salmon again. I hate coaches <laughs> salmon and broccoli for dinner every night. You can say, oh, he's told me to have salmon, so I'm going to have steak in that meal. Right? If I change salmon to steak and still have the broccoli, what, what, what macros do I need to put up? Okay, so the steak might be quite lean. And then you say, all right, cool, I'm going to add some coconut oil to the pan when I fry it. And then I'm going to you know, put some olive oil over that salad I have earlier in the day or olive oil over my broccoli and some sea salt. And it's like, you can create the exact same macros and same experience. And as long as your body can digest it, it's going to be more beneficial in the long run. And I think yeah. a lot of the stuff that coaches try to get into with a normal gen pop client. So like you in 2015, if you came to me and I tried to hammer nutrient timing, like carbs and fats on different meals, um, oh, no carbs after six, like, don't eat fruit because it's a load of shit. Like you don't need that. You might need that towards the end of your prep when your carbs are very low and fruit yeah, obviously is inadvertently high in sugar. Like people can just overeat it. Like, maybe you say, oh, hang on. 
don't maybe eat as much oranges because they, you know they're they're higher carbs than berries, for example, like or yeah. you know that banana can be replaced with three hundred grams of berries and have pretty much the same amount of carbs. So maybe volume wise, you should have the berries instead. But if oh, you yeah. do that too early with a client, then it's like, do they really need that? It's needed for elite level body comp probably, but not for your yeah. average pop client. So it's like, you don't want to go too much too yeah. soon. And that's why it's so important. Like I understand that, you know, you give meal plans for people who need them, but then also there's that sort of um, knowledge that you share around, you know, these are kind of your staple foods, you know, this is how you can make substitutions. All that knowledge is so important, especially for people that have lots of anxiety around food. Yeah. Like for me, so when I, you know, even I caught myself doing it a little bit during prep last year, but you, when you're dieting, especially if you're taking it really seriously, you get in this habit of being like, those are my foods. And if I can't access them, the world is completely going to fall apart. Yeah, like 100%. if I have to go, yeah, if I have to go to a work dinner and I can't have my steak and veggies, what the hell is going to happen? Like, I can't go, I'm going to cancel. Like, I've been there. I've been yeah. through those things. I better not go to that family dinner because there might not be my food and it's too hard. Like, I better just stay at home. Yeah. And I think that's where um, you run the risk of it just completely taking over your life because that food anxiety comes in. So that's why it's so important to actually upskill yourself about food and about, you know, how you can make substitutions in a really sensible way so that you can rock up to a gathering and you can sort of spot out straight away. You're like, those are my, those are my foods. That's what's safe. That's what I'm going to go for rather yeah. than being really stressed. Yeah. So it's an important one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, that's just, that's just touching the, the surface of what, what to think about with food. But the important thing to get out of this, if you're somebody who was in a position Emily was in where you haven't competed yet and you're thinking about it, you need to get in a really good relationship with food first before you even think about competing because prep is fucking hard. It's going to take, you need the calories to be pretty high to be successful because if you're starting your cut on 1500 calories, like once you get down so far and you stall, it's like, right, what are we going to do? We either drop below a thousand calories or we up your cardio tons. And you're going to be one of these people who ends up doing three hours of cardio maybe an hour and a half in the morning, then weight train in the evening, and then an hour and a half after. You've got a step yep. goal to hit as part of that as well. And your calories are fucking low. So you need to make sure you're in a good position. So like, I know we're talking about like, all the ins and outs of like, you know, flexible dieting and things specifically, because that's what you've done. But people need to be in a really good spot in general before yep. they, they start coaching. You need to be in a strong mindset as well. Um, which which kind of leads us into the next question nicely. So at one stage, you were that gym goer. You were the class going. You were just lose body fat sort of girl, um, high intensity with a little bit of weights. You know, you wanted the goals. You wanted the delts. You wanted the bum. You wanted the abs. You basically wanted the bikini girl look, but you didn't actually think you could achieve it. It was like, could I maybe do this? And at one stage, you were, you were doing a class, and uh, I think you might have, I don't know whether we were working together one-on-one -on -one at the time, but I remember walking past you and I just started saying undeniable, undeniable. And it was when you were always on the exercise bike, the, the hour bike for like, you know, 45, 50 seconds, whatever it was meant to be for the rounds. And yeah. I knew that was, that was the one thing that we motivated you that I was saying like, when, when you come in, you want to be undeniable that you belong up there. And at, at, at some stage that mindset sort of clicked in you where it wasn't like, can I do this? It was, 
I know I can do this. What show are we doing? So let's talk about that mindset shift from class going um, to let's fucking go all in on a prep and commit to my goals. Yeah. I think, um, I think the biggest uh, or sort of the most obvious point for me where I decided that I could really do this was when I started working with you. Perfect. <laughs> and the big reason for that, I think, was because you were able to pick up on what sort of person I was, um, which sounds really personal, but even just doing the group classes, like you were able to identify and you did it very quickly that I was super competitive. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like I think the mark of a good coach is knowing exactly what motivates someone. Yes. <laughs> and you picked it up in like, one class you were in my ear like that person's done more reps than you yeah, yeah and you would do these subtle little things like you'd match me up with the other really competitive person in the class so you'd have us like pegging against each other and I was like god damn like let's do this yeah because yeah, that yeah. works for me for other people that would be incredibly stressful but for me I was like yeah I've uh, never been so I think I've pitted you and your husband Anthony against each other a few times where I put you deliberately beside each other in a circuit class <laughs> And it meant you were competing with each other or it would be you versus the other next best person. Or I think you were doing a challenge at the time, a body fat loss challenge. And it was, okay, this person is one of the people who's making a big fucking change. You're the other person. And I'd put like three or four people around you. It might be Anthony. It might be somebody who was really fit or it might be somebody who was doing really well in the weight loss challenge. And I would just carry us all together. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't overly deliberately aimed at just you. Like I just knew everyone was competitive in that sense, but you really fucking thrived off that. I think whether it was just against yeah. Anthony, cause you wanted to beat your husband in that thing and prove oh, yeah. you were fitter or it was the other people you wanted to, to progress yourself forward. So that, yeah, that was massive. Yeah. It's a bit of a sickness, but it works. Yeah. The competition works. So I think, I think that was actually the start of it. If I track back, because I knew that we clicked um, yeah. in that sense that like you knew what motivated me and I would leave your classes absolutely knackered. I was like, I've never worked harder. Like this person really knows how to push me. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I was kind of like, right, what's next? Like what's yeah. the next step? Yeah. So then we started working individually together. And I think, I think we just had the conversation straight away about like competition, you know, is a possibility. When are we going to, make this happen mm -hmm. um but obviously then that's where you started that you know education for me around you know we want to try and get to here with your calories or like we need to be in this position before we start yeah. so there was definitely still that long-term goal setting it feels quick like i it probably was quite a quick process really we worked together for maybe six or seven months and then started prep yeah yeah uh, but for me, that worked because I'd been at the gym. Like I had been weight training for a number of years. I just hadn't really known what the purpose was. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, yeah, I think really like I, I realized that I could possibly be an actual bikini competitor and get on stage because you really tapped into that competition yeah, <laughs> sort yeah. of side of me. And I was like, yeah, I think I can really push with this because I'd missed you know, competitive sports, you know, I hadn't yeah. done it for a number of years and I was like, yep, I really want to get back into this in some sort of way. And, you know, bodybuilding is unique because, you know, it's 
quite athletic. You know, you have to, you have, you do have to push your body quite a lot, but then also you have just this added side effect of looking really good along yeah. the way. And you know, what could be better? That kind of fit with my, my two goals really. So yeah, for me, it was, it was a good choice. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And then what about actually prep? How did you find it? What can people expect on a prep? And like, not, not really going into like super, super detail on the prep itself, but mentally, how did you find it from start to finish? And what, what struggles did you get along the way? How did the yeah. coaching relationship along the way? What should people look out for within their mindset and with their coach that, um, that you found from prepping? Right. So I loved it because I decided to love it. I think like that's, that's, that's kind powerful. of my prep in a nutshell. Like I've only done it once, so I'm totally not an expert, but I all through the prep, I remember people would be saying to me, Oh, how are you finding it? It must be so hard. And I'd be like, no, nah, I love it. Like yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it so much. Um, and even now people are like, oh my goodness, you know, that must've been so tough. And I was like, yeah, but I loved it. Yeah. So I think it's just, if you're going to do it, I mean, it's hard, you know, we know that it's hard because you're pushing your body to a very extreme level, but you know, you do it because you want to. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely heard other bodybuilders talk about this as well. Like it is such a privilege to be able to put yourself in that position you know, to actually be, you know, fortunate enough to go like, I have the resources to do this. I have the fitness to do this. You know, I have people who are backing me. Like yeah. that is such a, that's such a powerful position to be in. And so it is, yeah, you're, you're very lucky to be able to do it. And so enjoy it, even though it's hard, like you have to find enjoyment with it. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the, one of the big things for that is, is how you decide to approach it and how you rock up and how you just hold yourself as well. Yeah. You know, like I've seen other, other competitors, especially other bikini competitors, and you know that it's hard, but when you talk to them, like you just get that sense that it's just like, it's just killing them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and for me, I was kind of like, I need to rock up to the gym and put my face on. You know, I have to have to show that I'm loving it. I have to show up every day and really enjoy it. Um, and I think for me, that's what got me through. Um, because if I'd been telling myself, this is hard, this is so hard, I probably would have pulled out at a certain point and been like, why don't you just focus on your career instead? What are you doing to yourself? Yeah, you know, but yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think the mindset is massive, but then that's what I fed off from you as well. So when I saw you, I mean, and, and when we just spoke on the phone and did our, you know, daily WhatsApps and those sorts of things, you'd be going, how are you going? Um, and I'd always try and answer with like, things are really good. Like this is what's, this is what's gone well. Um, you know, food has been great. Training's been great. I've been tired or this has happened as well, but always focusing on those positive things. Yeah. Um, and then I think in response, your coaching style really worked for me, or you obviously picked up on what sort of style I needed. You were very much just like, keep going business as usual. Like we do it next day. We take the next day, um, you know, one rep at a time sort of mentality. And there was, I certainly didn't want to be babied through the process or like, I didn't 
I didn't want to just have a good complaint and for you to be like, oh, it's okay, it'll be fine. Like I needed you to just kind of do the tough love thing for me and just keep me going yeah, in that 100%. robot. So, and you need, to know, you need to know as a coach when to push somebody like that and when to hold back. Like for example, you're saying, I needed that tough love to get me through most of the days. It was like, just fucking get on with it, Em. Come on, you know how you want to look. You've got that big vision of what stage is going to be like. And you can see it all coming together week by week. And that is motivating in it, in it itself. But yeah. having that coach, whoever it is there, to push you and like to know when to push. Like, for example, we were talking about this last week. There was one stage where something just really got to you and you text me or you left me a voice note from the car and you're just like, I've just fucking got out of the gym and I broke down into tears in the car. And like, regardless of what causes people to get to that stage, you need to, you need to allow yourself to feel that for starters. Like you're, you're going to feel shit some days. You're going to have these moments where everything just gets on top of you a bit. And like at that moment, you just allowed yourself to have a little cry, a little moment in the car where everything just got a wee bit on top of you and it was just, you had that moment. And that's fine to feel like that. Nobody is ever going to go through a prep without any negative thoughts and it's all fucking sunshine and rainbows the whole way through. You're going to have these moments where things get on top of you. And I think you left me a voice note because at that stage, I can't remember how far out we were, but like from about eight, six to eight weeks out, I was getting you to send me a daily voice note in terms of like, hey, oh, this is how my day has been, or if you've had a struggle during the day. It was basically like a roundup of your day. So I know, hey, I trained glutes today, my food's been good. But you got to that one and you're like, hey, oh, this is a bit earlier today, but I've literally just broke down in the car. And that's whenever you need to have the coach who's adaptable. Like, if I had just told you, um, fucking put your big girl pants on and fucking go, it might have had the opposite effect. You're like, oh, fuck, he doesn't even understand like yeah. why, why I'm having this moment. He just push, push, push. And I, at that stage, I was like, listen, we broke down why you were having this issue. We reframed it in your mind. Like, oh, maybe this has happened because of this thing or that thing. Yeah, but totally. um, it's a case of like, just re reframing it in your mind, I guess. and just making sure yeah. that um, it was clear what happened and how to move forward. Really. You didn't need the tough yeah. love then. You needed the, right, let's, let's break this down. Why, why are we having this moment? And that's another part of the, the coaching process for people to look out. Like, maybe you're the person who needs that fucking tough love all the time where it's like, no, fucking keep going, keep going. But if you don't have somebody who can maybe be adaptable and have both in the one prep, then you might get to the stage where it's going to be pretty tough and it's hard for you to get out of that because the coach just doesn't understand. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think... And I think because we had a good relationship going into the prep as well, you're able to obviously draw on that when shit things happen, you know, because they yeah. do happen, as you say. So I think possibly like, you know, the just the stress and the anxiety got to me a little bit around like, I don't know if I can do this really. Yeah. Like I'm, what I have to do is really scary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because I like I'd never I, I'm one of, I was one of those people that like would hate even wearing a bikini to the beach. And it was really hitting me, I think, that, like, you're going to be in barely a bikini yeah. up on stage in front of people judging you on what you look like. And that's really terrifying. Big time. But I think, yeah, because, because we had this good relationship, you were able to remind me and be like, look at how far you've come, you know, like, look at what you have achieved and you are going to get there, you know. So, yeah, having that background was really important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so important. Yeah, and then kind of just kept going from there.
yeah, yeah, perfect. And then let's talk about your your experience on stage. How did you how did you find? We've gone through the hardship during prep. We we worked together on that to make sure you you get there and you're in a really positive place. It was the best your physique has ever looked. We now have feedback on what we need to work on for next year. Absolutely. That was your first time on stage. You'd done all the posing practice. You'd fucking put in the hard yards of the diet. The training got pretty intense towards the end. And you'd done all the cardio, all the Stairmaster sessions. Everything that I I told you to do, you'd done. And all led to the stage. How did you find it on the day? It was amazing. (laughs) It was so much fun. It was, yeah, it was like one of the best days of my life, honestly. I think just because I got to that day and was like, you're done. Like there is literally nothing else you can do. You just need to shut up and eat what you've been told to eat and pump up when you're told to pump up. And like, I was literally done. And I got to the day and I stopped comparing myself to other people as well. Because I was, it was my first time, I think I was probably quite obsessed with like, oh, what's this girl going to look like on the day? Oh my God, maybe my legs aren't going to be small enough compared to hers or muscly enough compared to hers. So I was doing all those little comparisons along the way. And then on the day, I actually met everyone and I was just like, we've all worked our asses off, literally. Like we've all just tried so bloody hard. We're all here. And the only thing I had left to do was just to get on stage and just shake it and like, you know, look, look good and get through your routine. And for me, like I was really fortunate. I'd done a lot of posing practice um, with a really good coach. So, you know, I felt like that was, you know, all sorted. So I literally just went on stage and just did it. Mm. Um, I remember during, <laughs> during certain rounds, I did get to the point where I could start to feel the tiredness creeping in, but yeah. it was only towards the end of the day because I did three events as well. Yeah. So my first event was amazing. Second event, I was like, pressure's off, your main, you know, category's done. And then when I went out into the open, I was like, oh, I can feel it. Like I can start to, I can feel the tiredness and I could feel things cramping. Yeah. And so then, then when it was all finished, like it was just, yeah, it was amazing. I was well and truly done. I was ready to eat. Yeah. <laughs> but it had been great. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that because... For, for the past few shows and definitely for, I think for the two before that, I had worked backstage at the shows, whether it was behind the curtain or I'm pretty sure that one, that year was actually on the stage. Yeah, that year for Arnold's, I was on the stage doing the expediting. And yeah. I said to them, no, listen, this is the first two clients I've prepped in Australia. Like, I need to do this. Like, I prepped girls back home in Scotland and I've been in the audience, so I know what that feels like. So I was like, I'm, I can't work at this show. Like, I need to be in the audience. And I remember somebody texting me, and she's actually turned into a client now uh, based off the relationship that we built from the conversations. But she messaged me, and she was like, holy shit, she was amazing. I could not take my eyes off her. And that was a mix of, you know, how you look. She was like, she's the best-looking one on stage. And regardless of where you placed, she still messaged me with enough conviction to be like, fuck, she was amazing. She looked class. And that was like down to the look we brought. It was down to how good your posing was and just your confidence. Like you were probably the smiliest person up there. A lot of people tend to shit themselves and it's very hard to actually smile. But a big part of that stage presence is you got to look to the judges like you're enjoying yourself. And you did, yeah. obviously, because you just, you could tell you buzzed off every minute from the minute they called your name, you walked out, done your walk, first walk. You, I know you said you were nervous, but 
that was when she messaged me in the first timers and was like, holy shit, she's amazing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was massive. I'm pretty sure you came fourth in the first time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So obviously it was, we just missed out on that. And that's something that I want to touch on as well. Cause I remember after that, I was driving home and I was like, cause you and you and Cass both came fourth in their respective divisions. You came that's fourth right. in first timers. She came fourth in novice. And I, I remember saying to you the week after, I was like, you know what? I feel so bad. And you were like, what, why, what? What's, why, why do you feel so bad? And I was like, if I had pushed you that a little bit more, it was very fucking close between you and third. And you literally turned around to me and said, oh, I don't think I would have made it to the stage if you had to push me any harder. Like, what you did was just right. And that, that hindsight, obviously, I, on the day, the adrenaline's going. And I remember I was, when you were on stage, I was so, like, I was jacked up. I was, like, nearly grinding my teeth with, like, nerves and adrenaline. And I was, like, I was, like, so pumped. Yeah. And then obviously that continued and I was like, it was like the, the come down of that was, oh fuck, if I had just pushed him harder. And I started to blame myself and you literally pulled me out of that saying, oh, honestly, like this was hard enough. I don't feel like I could have pushed that, pushed any harder. Yes, no. it's no. finding that sweet spot with, with a client of how hard you can actually push and not break them. Get them where they want to go and get them to enjoy their first show, especially if it's their first show. Because what a lot of people do is they've never been that lean before. So when you push past a level where somebody has never been that lean, whether they're on a thousand calories or five thousand calories, that doesn't matter. Some people say, "Oh, you're eating like two, three thousand calories. How can you be struggling?" But it's it's not the calories that are the struggle. It's the body fat levels. The body likes to be in a certain range. And when you push past that in somewhere it's never been before, it's very hard. So regardless, I think we probably ended up around the 13, 1400 mark, somewhere around that. Yeah. It wasn't overly like, that's why I was like, maybe if I had just dropped the calories a bit lower, done more cardio, but your body was in that position where that was the leanest it been. You looked fucking fantastic on the day. Um, obviously with placing so high and like, it was a big category as well. Like, it's just finding that sweet spot with everything. Like, don't break your clients, guys. Like, make sure the <laughs> client's good the whole way through. And that hindsight, like, if in hindsight you came to me and said, yeah, I could have maybe pushed a bit harder, then I would have been like, right, cool, next time I know I can push harder. But now I know just how hard to work you. And that, that hindsight is great. And that's something that you should be doing with your coach, obviously, coming out of the show. Like, all these emotions are high. You're feeling fucking top of the world. But your coach needs to evaluate, first of all, from the feedback, what do the judges think you can improve on? But also, you need to get the feedback from the clients. You know, how did I do? Like, what was the good and downsides of prep? And obviously, that's a conversation that everyone needs to have with their coach after. And it's something we've obviously talked about. But that hindsight was perfect for me in terms of, not beating myself up about that because at the yeah. end of the day it is a subjective sport and it just turned out that on the day the judges thought somebody was slightly better it wasn't that you looked bad or that we did something wrong it was just like oh this tiny thing could have been better and yeah. that would have pushed you higher and it's like yeah, and I, yeah. I think there's two things there as well like the first is that it is a subjective sport and so, you know, for anyone who hasn't competed before and is thinking about it, I think it's so incredibly important that you do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, because if you do it for a certain result and you don't get that result, you are just, you're going to be so upset and chances are you won't do it again. You know, yeah. like it's, it's really hard to take 
that sort of criticism and be like, no, you are not as good as those three other people. Like if you yeah. take that personally, that, that feels like a real attack. It's like your body is literally not good enough in comparison to those other people. So what we're doing is hard, but you have to, you have to do it for the process. You have to do it because you're like, I am competing with myself. Yeah. Um, and Cass, my teammate, um, we never forget the sorts of things that, that Tony Doherty says as well. Like in the athletes meeting before the comp, he said, you are competing against yourself and you need to be in it for the long run. So put a photo of what you used to look like. It might be at your last competition on the fridge and you beat that person at the next competition. And then you put up your more recent photo and then you beat that person again. So like it's because you don't know what the other people are going to look like on the day. You don't know how people are going to come in and you don't know really what the judges are looking for, even though there are the criteria, but it is subjective. So you have to just do it for you. But also you have to trust that if you start the prep process that you will push yourself as hard as you can. Because yeah. you're absolutely right. Like you wouldn't want to look back and be like, oh, I probably could have done that differently. I could have pushed harder. Like it's really important, I think, for the coach and for the client to be like, at the time we did everything we could, you know, wholeheartedly. Yeah. That was the best that we had. And then the next time, you know, we'll push even harder and yeah. we'll, we'll do even better. But like that's, that's all you have to do really. That's yeah. just absolutely put 100% in and trust each other as well that you're going to just give your best along the way. Perfect. Perfect. And I think that's a perfect place to end this because I don't want to take too much of your time, but sure. I'm going to make sure for, for starters that you put your previous best comp pick on that fridge when we start our prep next time. So yep. that's an interesting <laughs> one. I picked that one up for you today. So we're going to finish with what would you say to anyone who's considering, you know, joining the team uh, for an elite transformation or a comp prep, whatever, what's, if you're going to sum up your experience and why people should potentially join the team, go, what's your, what's your experience? Um, do it in a, in a, in a yeah. nutshell. Absolutely. Like do it, go for it. I think the most important thing is to just start working with a coach or start working with you and then get those goals, whatever they might be. Cause that for me was the most important thing is to actually have a purpose for what you're doing and then everything else falls into place around it. So it takes time, but actually like, you know, prioritize those conversations and work out what you're doing, whether it's a comp or a photo shoot or whether you just want to sort of reach a certain sort of body composition or get, you know, some good lifts going in the gym, like just get those goals going and then trust your coach to get you there. Like don't second guess it. Don't obviously ask questions about why you're doing it but then you have to trust in the process because we know that the consistency is the most important thing. Like you have to just stick to it. Don't do it for 10 days and then be like, it's not working. I'm going to give up. You know, it's yeah. most important that you trust the process and stick with it. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. What a way to end it, mate. I can't thank you enough for coming on today. You've obviously got some experience with podcasts in your speech therapy um, role that's why i was like ah oh, who can come on who's got a good experience and i knew you were a good talker because you had been interviewed before so thank you for coming on i think it's going to be massively beneficial like i said to anyone who maybe even people who've seen your journey but they don't know the in and outs they see what what's posted on instagram they've seen yeah. maybe they followed you after the show they don't know the story before and after and for anyone who's just thinking about a, a big goal whether it's an elite transformation by joining the team or a photo shoot like the beach shoots or a comp prep 
it just gives somebody that bit of motivation and hearing your journey and it's going to be massive. So I can't thank you enough, mate. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Oak. Awesome. And then we'll maybe do a follow-up whenever prep actually starts on <laughs> the like, show to start and prep again, like what's going on in the yeah. main, meantime and everything so people can see sort of the, the structure between shows as well, which would be a massive yeah. one as well. So whenever we start prep in maybe October, November time, We'll get you on for a repeat episode and we can, uh, we can talk about what you went through in terms yeah, of that. We'll do the next chapter. The next <laughs> chapter, indeed. That's what the episode is going to be called, the next chapter. That'll be it. <laughs> so thanks, Em. Thank you very much. And I can't thank you enough for coming on. And you have a great day. Thanks, Zoe. Thanks for listening to The O Show. I have been your host, Oren McCarry, and if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it on your social media or give us a review on iTunes. I can't wait to see you on the next episode to dive deeper into topics and guests that will supercharge your efforts in the gym, the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. See you soon.